Amen. Thank you, guys. I need a little extra coffee this morning, Mark. I felt like that all week. Have y'all felt like just all week with the time change, you kind of been a little, <laughs> a little bit behind playing catch up? I felt like that all week and this, this morning too. But I'm excited we're together, and I'm excited to get to, um, to share with you a little bit more this morning from, from God's Word and from this series that we've been doing called uh, Life in the Wild. It's based on uh, the book Jesus in the Wild. It's a devotional that's for this season of Lent, and uh, I think I think the Lord has some great things in store for us today as we. We uh, open uh, his word and listen to his spirit today. Uh, I want to start this morning with, uh, with something, uh, a, little, uh, a little riddle. Uh, you may have seen these online. Uh, sometimes somebody will post something on social media and like, you're supposed to answer, you know, and get people to answer the, the right question. So, um, so this morning I want to share with you one. It's one of my favorites. And uh, here's the thing, though. If you've seen it before on, online, don't, don't answer, okay? Um, because if you've not seen it online and you get the right answer this morning, there's a prize, okay? Um, I've gotten this from Cindy in the bookstore. You're going to get this one-year Bible right here, uh, absolutely free. And if that's not good enough, Cindy said that if you, if you get this and you want, you come to the bookstore, she'll give you a cover for it. You know, one of those nice fancy covers with the handle on it. So, so the stakes are high this morning, all right? You ready? Here we go. All right, here's the riddle. Penny has five children. The first kid is named January. The second, February. The third, March. The fourth is April. What is the name of the fifth? If you know it, raise your hand. All right, yes, sir. May, that's a good answer. That's not it, though. Uh, yes, ma'am. May, no, that's not it. Um, yes, sir. What? The answer is what? Good job, Steve. Come up here and claim your prize, sir. Congratulations. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. What? The answer is what? Will you, throw, will you throw that back up on the screen? See, you just assumed there was a question mark, right? What is the name of the fifth? But it's not a question. It's a statement. There's a period. What is the name of the fifth child, right? How about that? You know, guess what? That's going to preach today, all right? That'll preach. Because sometimes... In our life, we think there's a question mark or there's a question mark, but, but there's really a period. Uh, and, and when we put our faith and our trust in God, it's not just a period, it's an exclamation point. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And it's all about this little phrase, it is written. See, the way that it was written, it totally changed the game, right? You thought you were playing one game, but Steve, he was playing a totally different game, right? He, he knew he saw something that, that none, of us, none of us did. And that's, that's important, okay? That's important to the story that we're going to read today. Like I said, we're looking at this, this, um, this book, Jesus in the Wild. It's, it's about this series, Life in the Wild. But it's all based on this story in the Bible, right? The story of Jesus in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. His faith was tested, uh, but it prepared him for his ministry in the world. It prepared him to live out who he was and who God was calling him to be. But he had to sort of lean into this and learn these lessons in the wilderness in order to go out and do that. And so the same is true for us. We learn these lessons. We lean into uh, our identity, our belovedness, our purpose, who we are, whose we are, 
why we're here, so that we can go out into the world and, and be who God's created us to be, not just for ourselves, but for those around us. And so, um, so we're gonna dig into that a little bit today. Last week, we talked about some question marks. Uh, if you were here, we talked about those questions that, that the devil tried to plant in Jesus' heart and mind, and they all had to do with this word, if. You remember that? Uh, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you worship me, all this will be yours. If you're the son of God, then throw yourself down. So, so today, I, or what I asked you to do last week was to pay special attention to those ifs in the story but today I want you to pay special attention to how Jesus replaces all of those question marks with an exclamation point. And he does that by pointing to God's word. So, so the questions all started with if, and Jesus' response always starts with this little phrase, it is written. It's not a question, it's a declaration, okay? And so... So I want you to hear this again. This is our story. This comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. And this week, we're not paying attention to the ifs. We're paying attention to the it is written. All right, here we go. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he, for 40 days, was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor. It's been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it's written. Oh, he says, for it's written. That's interesting, isn't it? He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all the tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. All right, so um, I want us to dig into some of the details of this story again today. But before we do that, I want to start you off with a question just so you can start thinking about how this story applies to your story. So here's the question. Where has an it is written made a difference in your life? Where has, what, what promise from God or what, what scripture maybe has strengthened you in a, in a season of, of struggle or sustained you in, in circumstances where maybe your faith is, is tested? If you, if you have one of those, and if you don't, that's okay. But if you, if you do, just think about that for a minute and think about how that shapes this, this conversation today. Um, where has an it is written made a difference in your life? Or maybe where would have an it is written made a difference? In your life, uh, this week, uh, in in preparing for this message, I did a lot of reflection on on how I would answer that question, on what that's looked like at different times and in different seasons of my life, and and what I what I realized when I started doing that reflection was there were different it is written's uh, that did sustain me and and strengthen me in different seasons, and and I kind of saw this kind of unfold uh, as as my life sort of unfolded and I saw this little pattern. Uh, for example, when I was when I was little, uh, the 
the phrase that strengthened me and sustained me even, even as a child in my faith was, was this little phrase, Jesus loves me, <laughs> this I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so, right? We learn that often at a very young age. And, and honestly, that's some of the best theology that we'll ever be able to articulate. There was a, a famous theologian named Karl Barth, and he wrote all these um, volumes and volumes of theology. And, and he was asked once at a lecture what the most important theological point was in all of his works. And, and he's quoted as saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Um, so, so that's kind of the foundation, right? That's, that's the foundation of it is written. And, and it's so simple, but it's so powerful. Um, but I don't know about you, but as we, we grow and, and life uh, becomes more complicated, <laughs> it, that becomes more complicated for us. And maybe we start to wonder what that means for us or start to question what that looks like. Uh, so, so for me, uh, I started to see needing, needing a little bit more than just that, right? Uh, maybe some specific examples of how that applied to my life. And I remember being a teenager and going through all the things that sort of uh, sometimes teenagers go through, wrestling with uh, identity and anxiety and, and all these different things. I remember for me, there was an it is written uh, that uh, was that God used to really strengthen me and sustain me through that time and, uh, and spoke this to my heart. It was, it was the it is written from Philippians 4.13. Remember, remember that one? Uh, I can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, now, that was written to a, a particular group at a particular time, right? It was written to, uh, from Paul to this church in Philippi who they were going through a lot as a young church and, and, and growing pains and things of that nature. And so it was written to remind them and to strengthen them and to sustain them. But, but God used that passage of Scripture in my life to strengthen and sustain me. So not only was it written in the Bible, it was written on my heart and on my mind, and it was written on just about everything I could find at that point. I wrote it on my journal. I wrote it on my calendar. Uh, I wrote it. I even wrote it on the on the bill of my baseball cap. I remember so that I could see it um, in, at different times. And so uh, I even wrote a song about it and shared it with my youth group. And uh, so that was a, a powerful thing for me. But that was the it is written um, in, in my life during that season. I can also remember times in my life, other seasons of life. Uh, as I became a young adult and started wrestling with, with things like purpose and direction and who I was going to be and, and where I was going to go and what I was going to do. And, and I remember during that season, the it is written for me was Jeremiah 29, 11. Do you remember that one? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, that was written uh, and spoken through the prophet Jeremiah to God's people as they were wrestling with, with exile and, and uh, a future that was unknown, right? So it was written for them, but, but because God's word is alive and active, um, not only was it written there, it was, it was written on my heart and on my mind during that time to help me navigate the unknown future that I felt like I was walking into. And I remember it wasn't just written there, but I wrote it in a very specific place so that I would see it uh, I remember packing up all my stuff, my little red 1995 Jeep Cherokee and putting all the, everything I owned in there because I was driving, I was leaving Murfreesboro for the very first time in my life and I was going to live in this little town in Kentucky called Wilmore, Kentucky uh, to go to school there, learn how to be a preacher. And uh, I was nervous and so I took that verse and I duct taped it to my dashboard so that I would see it and it would remind me uh, where I was going and that God was gonna be with me. 
That was what that was the it is written for me during that season. And there there have been so many other other seasons where I've faced big decisions or complicated situations, relationships, where I've stepped out in faith, where I've I've misstepped and I've fallen on my face and I've I've uh as, I, as, as we pray during the communion time, sometimes I've done things I wish I hadn't and not done things I wish I had. And, and so there's been this one verse that's sustained me through all those seasons as well. My It is written, uh, that's kind of been a life verse for me, was Isaiah 30, 21. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I come back to that verse all the time and it reminds me of God's presence and care in my life, in every season, every circumstance of life, no matter how I feel, no matter what my eyes can see, I know it's true because it's written. Over the last couple of years, as we've gone through things we never thought we'd have to go through in, in life and in the church with uh, COVID-19 and all of those things, there was a, it is written that helped me through that season. Galatians 6, 9. I, if you, if you got my emails during that time, that was the theme of a lot of those because that's what I felt like God was reminding me of over and over again. And Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. That was an it is written that I, I had to cling to every single day, sometimes multiple times during the day when I wanted to give up and I didn't know where I was going or where we were going. And the Lord sustained me and strengthened me through that season. Right now, it's 1 Timothy 4, 16. Uh, my one word for the year is persevere. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. I could keep going, but I won't. You see the pattern though? See, in all those seasons, in all those circumstances where I was tempted to, to give up or to give in, it wasn't what I was feeling at the time. It wasn't what I was hearing on the news or on social media or from different places. It, it wasn't what I thought or what I would prefer over and over again. I had to come back to this phrase, it is written. It is written in God's word and it is written on my heart and my mind. That was the source of my strength, my comfort, my peace, my hope, there was this assurance of God's presence and provision in the chaos and confusion and conflict of the world, this, those wilderness seasons of my life. And I, and I think that's a little bit, at least, of, of what we can learn from today's lesson, from, from this story about how Jesus was able to withstand all these temptations from the devil because he had stored up truth in his heart and mind from God's word. And he calls us to do the same. You've heard me say this a bunch of times. It's not just that it happened, right? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. We go through circumstances and struggles and, and seasons of life where everything we see and everything that we hear and maybe everything that we think and everything that we feel is telling us one thing. And so what do we do? What do we have to stand on? What, what gives us the strength and courage and, and grace to, to, to take that next step? What I want you to hear today is that it's written. The promises 
that God gives us in his word that remind us of who we are and whose we are and why we're here, that we are loved by God, that we are cared for by God, that God is with us and God is for us and God is working in and through and around us for our good and for his glory, which is our greatest good. That's what the Bible tells us so over and over again. And it's the foundation that we need to walk through the wildernesses of life, knowing that we're not alone. Amen. It was, it was Jesus's understanding and application of God's word that, that made the difference. It made all the difference. And, and as I thought about it this week, and I thought about what does that look like for us and the difference it makes in our lives, here's, here's one major difference that I wanna share with you today. I think it's the difference of reacting and responding. You know the difference between reacting and responding? You can probably think of some examples from your own life where, where you've reacted instead of responded or, or where you've responded and, and instead of reacting and maybe the, the, what, the fruit of that, right? Uh, so as I was thinking about how to communicate that today, uh, what, what example that maybe we could all latch on to or one that was in the front of my mind, I, I decided to go to one of my favorite sources, uh, especially this time of year, and it's the source of March Madness, right? How many of y'all been watching a little bit of March Madness, the basketball tournament going on right now? Um, so there have been some great games, some great upsets, some great just great storylines, but, but one of the things that I love to watch uh, beyond the storylines and things like that, beyond even the game themselves, is, is the, the post-game, right? The post-game interviews, right? But it's there where a lot of times you see some reactions and you see some responses, right? And, and sometimes those reactions by coaches and players, uh, they're the ones that, that make the news and viral videos and things like that, right? But one of the things I love to watch is when a coach or a player responds to questions that are given to them. And, and you can tell the difference between a reaction and a response because a lot of times coaches and players, they, they know what those things are that they want to communicate, that they want to say in that post-game interview. And regardless of what question they get asked, they answer the question that they want to answer instead of the question that they were asked. And, and I think there's so much wisdom in that. Um, and, 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 and somehow... Uh, because of their understanding of the game, their understanding of the process, the, the question that they answer is often really better than the question that they're asked, right? Because sometimes the question is intended to kind of get a reaction. And so to see them uh, kind of keep their composure and control the conversation, it's really kind of a work of art. And, and I was thinking about that this week because I think that's exactly what's going on in this exchange, this conversation between the devil and Jesus. The the devil's trying to get Jesus to react, right? And he's, he's baiting him. He's, he's kind of questioning him and, and trying to get him to do something that he knows he doesn't need to do, right? So, so that's kind of the game that, that the devil is playing with, with Jesus. But see, Jesus remains in control of the conversation. The devil's trying to get him to play his game by his rules, but Jesus knows the real name of the game. The, game, the name of the game for him is obedience to God. It's, it's trust in his word. It's, it's surrender to his will. And so instead of reacting, Jesus responds over and over again with this declaration of faith, this statement of, of trust and obedience. And it always starts with, it is written, right? And the really interesting 
thing about this, just as you kind of dig deeper in the story, uh, this is all kind of extra for you this morning, free of charge. But um, so one of the really interesting things about this story is all three of these it is written statements that Jesus shares with the devil, they all come from the same place in the Old Testament. Uh, they come from the book of Deuteronomy. And, uh, and do you know what's going on in the book of Deuteronomy in this place where Jesus is quoting? God's people, the, the people of Israel, they're wandering through the desert. Isn't that an interesting connection? They're, they're learning, God is teaching them trust, to trust him for everything like food and water, uh, direction, purpose, who they're gonna be when they finally reach the promised land, when they go back into the world. And so if you know that, then what you realize is where, where Israel failed the test, they wandered for 40 years, right, in that place, never fully learning those lessons that, that God was intending for them to learn. Jesus passes with flying colors in, in 40 days, right? If you wanna read these stories, I did put them in your daily scripture readings. But, but the reason why I bring that up this morning is because one of the powerful things about it is the story in the wilderness gives us this picture of, of the gospel, of Jesus doing for us what we couldn't do on our own, right? Uh, through his sacrifice, his surrender, his trust, his obedience, he has won the victory for us once and for all over sin and death and all the forces of evil. And so even though the, the war has officially, ultimately been won, we, we still have these b battles that we have to fight, right? And so Jesus teaches us how to do this, how to trust, how to obey, how to surrender, how to believe not what we feel or what we see, but but what's written, what God has to say so that his voice speaks louder than all the other voices in our lives. Those questions and those doubts and those trials and those temptations, they come every day, right? And everything in, in our lives and everything in this world that is not God tries to get us to play this game, right? And the only way for us to, to win those battles is, is to play our own game. God's way, right, to, to react, not to react to the temptations or the trials, but, but to respond with the truth. And it makes all the difference. Even in situations and, and circumstances and seasons of life where we really feel like reacting in a certain way, right, to something we've seen or heard or maybe thought or felt. Even when we think we're justified to react in, in, a, in a certain way uh, to someone else who's acted in a certain way, towards us, even when it seems like there's no way out or around or through a particular situation that we found ourselves in, physically or emotionally or spiritually, by faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can resist the temptation to say, it's over, or it's not worth it, or, or it's on, right? We may wanna do that in our own spirit, in our own flesh. But over and over again, by faith, we say it is written. And then we can respond. Not according to the words of others, not according to the words that might be swirling around in our hearts and in our minds, but according to the word of God. When we know it, when we allow God's word to be planted in our hearts 
and minds, we can flip the script on those forces in our lives that try to divide and, and, and destroy our sense of identity, that, that try to discourage our belief that we are indeed God's beloved, that try to distract us from our purpose in this world, our purpose in life. Just, just like Jesus, our understanding and our application of God's word can make all the difference. And so that's why it's so important for us to take time to, to know, to listen to what is written and what God has to say to us through it, right? Because God's word is alive and active, it never changes. But, but there have been so many times in my life where I've read a passage that I've read a thousand times and, and it speaks to me differently, not because it changed, but because I, I change, right? And God's word has, a pow- has this incredible power through the power of the Holy Spirit to speak exactly what we need to hear in that season and circumstance. And when we store that in our hearts and minds, God has a way of bringing that back up at certain times. I don't know if you ever experienced that before, but there have been times where I've recalled a passage of scripture that I didn't even know that I knew, but I needed it in that moment. And, and it, it was brought to my attention. So I guess, I guess what I'm getting at today, what I'd like to bring us together to this morning is what, what would it look like for you? What, what do you need to do to make sure that you're prepared in this season that you're in now to, to wrestle with those questions and to respond instead of react by, by making a declaration of faith? Uh, in, in other words, what, what is your own it is written for this particular season of life? My, my invitation, my encouragement, my challenge for you is to, to find your own it is written statement to carry you through this, this week, this season, or, or however long it lasts and, and, it, and allow God's word to speak louder than anything else in your life. There may be some of you here today that, that the devil or the culture or social media is, is challenging and causing you to question your identity. Maybe, maybe, your, maybe your it is written is something like this. First John 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Maybe for some of us it's it's the past or, or present circumstances that are causing you to question your belovedness. Maybe your it is written is Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Maybe there's some of you here today that have fears about the future or, or other people that are causing you to question your, your purpose Maybe your it is written is something like Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Those are just a few examples. What is it for you? And would you be willing to take some steps today over the next few days this week to discover an it is written that you feel like God wants you to have written on your heart and on your mind and wherever else you need to write it to see it so that you can be reminded 
with who you are and whose you are and why you're here. So that you can plant that word deep, deep, deep in your heart and mind and recall it when you need it. So that when those temptations and trials and struggles come, you won't just react, but you'll respond with the truth. That's my prayer for you and for me. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word that speaks to us in ways that, that nothing else does. God, we thank you for your voice that speaks your love and care and provision and power into our lives in ways that no one else can. Lord, I pray that when we hear that voice, Lord, when we read your words and that we experience your presence and provision, Lord, that we wouldn't be distracted, that we wouldn't be discouraged, but that we would allow your word, your voice to speak louder, your word to be planted in our heart and mind so that we, we don't have to react, but we can respond in the ways that you've created and called us to. Lord, I pray more than anything today that we would leave this place today knowing just how loved we are, that we are indeed your beloved, that you love us so much that you gave your one and only son so that we might have life, life abundant, life eternal, life together in and through him. Lord, I pray as, as our service comes to a close today that you would just speak that truth to our hearts and minds and that we would receive it and respond today in the ways that you're calling us to. We love you and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're gonna sing one more song together before we close. Uh, when we do, the altars are gonna be open. If you'd like to come and pray, you're more than welcome to do that. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you this morning. Uh, if you've never received Christ into your life, if you've never made a decision to, to be in a relationship with him, uh, I'd love to talk to you about that and pray with you. Uh, whatever that looks like for you this morning, with just these last few minutes, let's, let's be open to what God might wanna do in us and in this place, and let's be uh, ready to respond. So would you stand and sing and come if you feel led?